Welcome to the Yogipreneurs Podcast with me, Mia Jafari. In this episode, we meet Louise Lagat, the founder of Positive Energy Leaders, who works with leaders that are called to contribute to the transition towards a sustainable world of tomorrow, where we can all flourish. We discuss what being told she could never walk again taught Louise about creating a framework for living and working in alignment with her purpose, passion and visions in life, and what Louise's personal quest for purpose has taught her about being in alignment and actually what being in alignment feels like during our day-to-day experiences. And of course, why the road to following our purpose is never so straightforward, but how we can build rituals that allow us to create a journey that fires our passions as well as contributes towards a sustainable future. Please welcome to the Yogi Preneurs podcast. Hi, Mia. Very pleased to be here. So really excited about this, um, as you are one of our self-discovery guides and, and being an inspiration to me and so many um, others on their journey of, of finding purpose and really finding alignment in, in our lives. So and the session today is going to be called The Art of Alignment, so very well um, apt. So uh, before we start, Louise, it'd be really nice to hear from you a little bit about um, the work you do and um, what, what is it that you do and what, is, what, what, what gives you purpose maybe in the work that you do? Yeah, so what I do these days is if I was to really sum it up, um, I'm working with the system shifters, the people who really get that we need to now create a sustainable world where we all flourish and who either at the start of their journey around that or on the journey to, to be able to really contribute to that. But what they really want to do is to really create meaningful work around that and, uh, and contribute to that in a meaningful way so that we can really start to advance. So... I support them in really getting clear on what is their mission, what is their purpose within that context, and ultimately how to align to that purpose and then positively impact the world through that purpose so that we can finally make some progress in all this area. That's beautiful. And it's a, it's a really purposeful work. So wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, I created it ultimately yes. because, you know, my quest for purpose has been um, actually, it's the, it's the um, yeah, about 20, 21 years this year mm. um, in terms of a quest for really understanding what purpose is about. And uh, mm. when I first made the commitment that I wanted to live a life aligned to my purpose, although I didn't know what it was at the time. So. And that's, that's really beautiful. And, and I think that this is so important, this idea that you know, we want to be connected with our purpose and do work that's aligned with that. And what I sense is there's, you know, some of us, we don't know necessarily, you know, when, when we ask what is your purpose, a lot of us don't know. And then what happens is we end up following the path that's kind of a little bit superficial. So we think, okay, if we get this job and it gives me this much salary, then, you know, I'm aligned and then I have what I have value and that, that, then I can find my purpose. Or sometimes we know what our purpose is and there's, there's a bit of fear of that kind of taking those steps or um, like self-limiting beliefs that drain us. So I see this purpose thing is such a magical thing because, um, when we don't have that purpose or when we're feeling disalignment, we could have everything and still be really unhappy. So yes, it's about helping the world and being sustainable, but also ultimately it's about making ourselves happier and living in the moment with more joy. So I think maybe my question is, and I'm going to deep dive is if people don't know their purpose, they know they're not happy, or maybe they know that the job they're doing doesn't fuel them, but they don't really necessarily know how to get to their purpose or what is their purpose. I and mean, what, what are your suggestions on like how, 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 what could support them perhaps? 
Yeah, so, um, and actually the, the story you were telling really resonated because that, that was my story. I was yeah. a, a lawyer in the city of London and had it all, and, uh, and, uh, but something was really missing. And so um, I had to really uh, reorient my life. And um, so what I would say kind of uh, practically in terms of that piece is the first thing is it's important to reframe what purpose is because I see people actually get quite confused about what purpose is. And what I mean by that is that often we look at people, when we're looking for purpose, we're looking for what I call a destination. And so it's kind of like that perfect box. And if we get there, that perfect job, (laughs) and then we'll actually have purpose. And um, what what I've discovered for myself is purpose is actually more like an ongoing journey. And the core of it uh, is it's about touching the world with your unique essence. So each one of us uh, has unique potential. And um, ultimately, what, what I find is so beautiful and precious is that in the whole history of humanity, there will never, ever be uh, a, a person that will be the same as the person that you are, be it you, be it me, or be it somebody else. And we forget that uniqueness. So the, the point about purpose is it's actually a, a journey of self-expression. Um, and it's about becoming more and more confident and more and more brave to bring ourselves fully uh, to the world. Um, and that's actually, it's an amazing, I always say to people, it's not uh, easy. I'm not going to pretend it's easy, but it's really, really worthwhile in terms of, of that satisfaction. So I think the first piece is that reframe. Um, and then one of the things that um, we have to start with is it's actually an internal journey. Um, and it's, and I see, again, a lot of people trying to work everything out. And uh, what I've found is the, the kind of piece and the first piece of that journey, inner journey, is to really reconnect to our true innate potential and to what I call what we're really made for. Um, and then from there, kind of bringing that back out into the world. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the first piece I would say on that. that. That's beautiful. And I think I always think that our work, or this is the aim, the big vision is like, and as you said, it's like our work should be the vehicle for our gifts to shine. Mm-hmm. And it should be in an ideal world. That's how it should be, that we shouldn't go and do a 95 job and, and be miserable or feel disalignment or frustrated because every moment that we have on the planet is really, really precious. And, you know, it's about kind of using our time on the planet, I feel, to really allow our gifts to shine, whatever it may be. And I think it's, for me, I feel like even if you are, um, whatever job you do, even if you don't have a job, it's all about the way you live your life is an opportunity for you to allow your gifts to shine, as, as you said. And But I think, for me, I feel like this is a journey. So for me, you know, if you had said this to me five years ago, I really wouldn't have been there to really understand it because I felt like I had to play life safe. I had to have a stable job, um, get married, you know, live a normal life. And, I, and when I went on that path of trying to be normal, I was incredibly unhappy. So I was like really struggling because mm-hmm. I just seemed like, I, I just felt like, is this it? I'm going to die and this is it. So, yeah. so it was a lot of challenging situations that led me to realize that actually it's okay not to be normal. It's okay to follow a different path. Um, and I think sometimes you need to have your head smacked across the wall a few times <laughs> and then you and then you realize, OK, it's OK. Maybe I maybe I, it's OK for me not to be the same as everyone else. Maybe I wasn't meant to be living a normal life and I'll do something different. But it'd be wonderful. Um, and I think this is such an important p- piece because I feel like 
we're not born with this knowledge most of us we you know it's like it's like something happens in our life or certain experiences and over time we kind of build this awareness that we need to follow our purpose and I'd love to hear from you your story of how did you you know what happened in your life in your own life experiences that led you on this journey of of kind of being aligned in your purpose and then helping others with it yeah so and I and I I completely with you in terms (laughs) of that whole journey and uh uh, you know, they are definitely these um, these waking up moments, and I, I call them uh, pivotal moments, and that's actually been a, a big part of of my work, and also my own life experience. Um, and so, uh, in terms of my story, um, I was a successful lawyer in the city of London, and I thought I'd made it. I was in a um, kind of what we call magic circle law firm, so it was a, a top law firm, um, and um, you know, I, I, what I call ticked all the boxes of success. So you know the um, the um, the great job, the great career prospects, uh, the uh, the lovely apartment, the great car, and I even had the right lawyer boyfriend. So my parents were definitely completely happy. Uh, and um, but my dirty secret was that every day going into work, uh, I would have to take the bus. I was in London, and I would uh, go to the second deck of the double decker bus, and I would sit at the front. And the reason why I would sit at the front was that it was the only way that I could find so that people couldn't see that I would be crying for the rest of the journey. And I would kind of dig my nails into my hands um, to try and stop myself from crying. But that was my morning routine. And um, I, you know, I didn't really know what was going on. I just thought I was kind of stressed, you know, because my, my job was, was um, pretty hardcore in terms of hours and responsibilities. And... Um, but to, uh, the the point which for me was that pivotal moment um, was uh, uh, about, um, I kind of know, maybe a, another year in, I uh, went to hospital for a very minor operation and it went dramatically wrong. Uh, I caught uh, one of those horrible infections in the operating, th- uh, uh, operating theatre and um, uh, the outcome of it uh, was that I was left... Um, being able to stay awake about three hours a day in constant pain and I could hardly walk and um, I was at that time um, 27 years old and um, the doctors said to me um, I was I was lying in bed kind of in my hospital bed staring at the the white wall that um, they didn't think I would ever get better and that I had to accept that this was going to be my life from there on and I, why that moment for me was pivotal uh, was that when they said that, what came into my mind was, well, what about if they're right? What about if that is going to be my life? And the question that came is, well, what would you regret, Lou? And, you know, I thought it would be not being that amazing partner and kind of, you know, rising to the top of my field and my career. And what actually came was not that at all. And it was um, that what I would regret was not doing the Inca Trail in Peru. And why that was significant is up until that point, I only had a vague idea of where Peru was and I didn't even know I wanted to do the Inca Trail. And I realized in that moment is that I was so disconnected from myself and I just wasn't listening to 
what was really inside of me and what I really wanted to do. And so the promise that I made to myself was that I would live with no regrets and I would live my purpose fully and reconnect to myself and really follow that trail. And that's what I've been doing for 21 years. Um, and um, I did get better, so that was the, the good point and the good part also of it. But it was a real turning point. And I think what's interesting is in the past, what I've found is that the, these pivotal moments were quite a lot more extreme for people. Uh, but what I found in the last year is COVID actually in itself is a pivotal moment for a lot of people. And the kind of symptom that I, I find, uh, yes, we can have the big crisis. But as one of my coaches once said to me, you know, you don't need to have the crisis. There are signs and messages before you can actually mm. listen to. And um, what I'm finding is a lot of people having the uh, initial signs of what I call a pivotal moment, which is successful on the outside. But we feel that there's something missing on the inside that has us start to ask uh, bigger questions about uh, why we're here and uh, how we want to live our lives. Mm-hmm. And I, I told you completely, and it's such a, such a powerful story. And I think yours was obviously a big, a big life-changing experience. But I completely agree and resonate that sometimes it's not that big for us. It's like little, little whispers and little shimmers and certain things that happen that make us kind of really kind of assess, are we living a life that we're, that makes us truly happy? And and I think for me, it's very much, and um, thank you for sharing, Louise, it's very much about, you know, are we, for me, it's, am I happy in this moment? The works that mm-hmm. I'm doing, the life that I'm living, is it giving me joy? Is it making me smile from within? Um, and I think that's how I kind of really, connect with am I living with my purpose and and I had a little experience about three years ago um where I um had like a I think an existential breakdown where suddenly Mm. I realized I was going to die I don't know what happened suddenly I had I was I realized I was going to die and I was at the end of my life and and I thought what do I want from my life like imagine I'm, I'm dying now how you know what what do I want and I and I thought I just I just want to live every day happy and no regrets and that was it I don't want I want to live a life where I've done what I want to do and said what I wanted to say and I don't have regrets and a lot easier said than done <laughs> so, <laughs> a lot easier because <laughs> you're pushed every day and it's like a, very easy to say but not so easy to do <laughs> I'm with you I'm with you I have to keep reminding myself that uh probably at the end of my life, a lot of those people I'm worried about will probably not be around me. And uh, there's only me that has to be able to look at myself in the mirror at the end of my life and say, yeah, I did good. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's where I was, where I thought to myself, no one's going to be around. It's going to be me facing my last breath, however old Mm -hmm. I am. Am I going to say that I lived my life the way I was meant to, that I left the world in a better place because I, I was there? So that was my kind of goal. And I've, I've tried to kind of, you know, live that as much as possible. Um, and I think it really does, it does help. It does change. I mean, it does help even situations where I think if you go with that intention that actually I'm just going to do my best, I'm going to leave the world in a better place because of me. And it's not big. It could be just a small little change or just making someone happy that day or sending someone a message. And, and just doing that actually changes things, changes the energy around you. And I find like even... With work, if I go with that intention that I want to support someone to do something good or to be happier or achieve something, it shifts the whole energy around the space and, and what is happening. And it's not about the work. So I feel like even if it's, for example, aviation, you know, it could mm-hmm. be, um, it's not necessarily sustainable, but in a way it can be. So I think that we all have that power if we go with that intention that I just want to, you know, leave the world in a better place or, or, or create some kind of positivity around me we can bring it to everything that we do and I really believe that and I think sometimes you know we don't need to have big career changes or 
or kind of go on a world tour, we can actually change the, the kind of the energy around us just by how we react and our intention around it. And I think, you know, but I think you're completely right that the, the moment that COVID has happened has been a series of pivotal moments for many people where the idea of having a career change or taking sabbatical or doing something different has really come come about and, and people realize and we realize we don't have infinite amount of time and and you know the earth is not ours to take whatever we want there's, there's gonna you know we are the guests and so this idea of career change is kind of I think key and something that I've heard from a lot of people that they're, they're now ready to kind of shift so it'd be wonderful to hear from your own experiences of how you did your career shift from being a from being a from a lawyer to kind of completely having a shift in, in the work that you do and really finding purpose and, and taking a sabbatical and setting up your own social business. So it be wonderful to hear your story of how you did that last shift. Yeah, so um, uh, it, it's, it's interesting because for me, it's, um, yeah, sometimes, often people, they try and do one shift. I feel like I've been on a bit of a PhD around purpose. <laughs> and I kind of tried all the different things we tend to try at that different uh um, at that period. Um, in terms of my own career change, um, although it felt really kind of scary and terrifying uh, at the time, um, the key was, and you know, that's a lot also kind of what I, I work on these days, um, and, and answers a bit also your question earlier when you were saying about in terms of the quest for purpose. Um, I, I really went back to basics about what it was really that I was made for. And uh, one of the big distinctions was that um, I had to understand that I had to stop focusing on what I could do. And that's what I see a lot when people do uh, career changes. You know, you do um, kind of uh, competencies, you look at mm. skills, people's skills, and you're looking a lot at um, what people can do mm. and um, what we actually have to get back to is what we're made for. And um, um, there's a, a concept that I use around that, which is called flow. And um, when we're connected to our own innate flow is actually when we're doing what we're really here to do and uh, aligned to that true potential. And so um, through when I did my, my career change, uh, I, um, um, kind of took some time to really look at um, that and what that told me about what I was really here to do. Uh, and the, then I had to kind of find this vehicle, like, how was I going to do this? And so um, in the end, I actually went to talk to the head of HR of the organization that was in. So you know, there's always an element of taking a risk. Uh, and um, it was interesting because I see a lot of people at this point where they think that they have to go to see someone and say, this is the job I want. I had no idea what I wanted in terms of a job. But what I did go and say to him is, look, this is what I now know I can contribute in terms of value that really inspires me and um, that really is in my heart. And um, I was already retraining to do things like coaching and to understand a lot also around change management and processes like that. And what actually happened is he created a job for me uh, in HR. Uh, and uh, my first job there was to um, lead big transformation projects, people transformation projects in the organization, which in hindsight was actually the perfect role for me. But I wouldn't even have known mm. to really ask for it. And what's interesting is I stayed another five years in that organization and um, all the roles I had after that were all created for me because I was able to have a completely different level of conversation with people and, and also confidence about um, the, the value I could provide because it wasn't just artificial stuff that I had to pretend I could do. 
it was things I couldn't help myself doing because that was just so who I was and what I was about. Um, and then what came later after that was that um, actually I was offered a promotion and um, but it wasn't um, aligned to I really like working hands on with people. And uh, it meant it would have meant going to another level of being strategic and disconnected from the delivery that I loved so much, because that, by then I was an internal coach and uh, also delivering lots of workshops. And um, what um, what was really interesting in that. Uh, moment is I had to make a really tough decision because here was my boss offering me a promotion and I had to say no to him and say well actually um, no because it doesn't fit who I am and what I'm made for and it doesn't feel that's the right next step for me and aligned so I really had to honor that commitment but what I found and I want to add on that is if you commitment to that place of alignment what I found is it's almost like you you life starts to partner with you mm. and there's almost a magic of you know we've all had those coincidences and those synchronicities and those things that kind of almost magically fall into place and that's when we know that there's, there's, there's that external alignment and so in that particular case I mean to this day I kind of go oh my god did that really happen but it did on the last day when I left work um, my boss called me into his office and by that time, you know, it was clear I was going to set up my own company and I was going to kind of start on that journey. And um, he said to me, how would it be for you if um, I bought 30 days of your time in advance um, uh, right now? And uh, you could still kind of lead some of the workshops uh, for us. And uh, so I actually started my business with an advance payment. <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> which kind of for me was magical and um you know and I and then I did make it to Peru because I kind of knew I had to um kind of follow that um and um and later on uh, you know I did all the things you do like kind of work out of a, a ski resort and uh, um do the whole lifestyle thing so at one point um I was splitting my time during between London and San Francisco because again San Francisco was really awakening in me different levels of potential that I really wanted to uh, access um and I think that the thing that I really learned during that period is again it's not as much about um the external things it's not by, about having the sabbatical or having the cool lifestyle it's what you were saying before it's the fact that um, these give you enough space to be able to really express yourself and bring yourself fully to your life and to what you do. And so what we're constantly looking for is what are the right vehicles in order to enable you to reconnect to yourself. So the sabbatical, for example, really helped me with that because I, I was able to just kind of follow my own flow. But also then creating these vehicles, um, be it you know, specific roles or um, you know, this is my second company that um, I have now. Um, that uh, give enough space to be able to enable that level of self-expression. I absolutely love that. I think we're so, we're so aligned with that because I think it's that space. And that's so beautifully said. There's many things I'm going to pick at that, but that was fantastic about space because I think this is what we need um, is this idea to have space to really reconnect and find alignment. And, and that's kind of something that's in a way really priceless that having that opportunity to connect with yourself and really like realign and, and find, find flow and, and purpose in your life. And I think what happens is it isn't that I feel like majority of us do have time. It's not that we don't have time. It's that we choose not to allocate time for that because it's, it's hard. 
And mm-hmm. if we don't find it comfortable, it's easier to be on, you know, on the ski slopes and just kind of like go through the motions and actually take a step back and really work on what am I here to create? Because that's a kind of a really, you know, um, difficult question or, you know, you're facing yourself and you're real kind of why was I born on this planet? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think, but I think, you know, it can be done, I feel, in, in small ways. So, you know, it doesn't have to be this big, you know, we change our careers and then we, we take a year out. It's like, you know, moment by moment. So when I say this to people about, you know, you, you become conscious, I feel like, about everything you're doing and like having a check of yourself. And, you know, if you're around someone and you have a conversation, you check in and say, how does that energy of that conversation make me feel? And then mm-hmm. people say, that seems like a lot of work. But I say, when I say it's actually quite good fun then because you get to kind of live this very self-aware life and then you make better decisions I think because you're more aware of how things are engaging with around you and but I think that's like you know obviously a process and and I think such an important thing to do and I think based on the on your own experiences and and, you know the work that you have with entrepreneur the work you've done with entrepreneurs I just want to know why do you think and this is something that I've been thinking about why do you think we don't do that enough why do you think you know we don't take that time to really align and really think about our purpose and give our space, time, space. Why do you think we're often really in the hustle mode a lot of the time? Um, that's a big question. That's a big question. Give... <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to that. I'll, I'll give some of it. Um, so I mean, at a very basic level, um, and, and yeah, this is the bit um, that is the real core challenge of it all, is that, what I found is when we were younger, we were actually connected to that innate potential and that innate flow. And um, yeah, often we, we used to play it. So you know, I always ask people, what did you used to play at as a child when uh, nobody was telling you what to do and you could just kind of do whatever it is that you wanted to do? And um, so we're, we're connected to that, but we end up, as we grow up in this fundamental inner conflict, which is that we're also hardwired as human beings to, uh, to, to survive. And in order to survive, we know that we need to belong to the tribe. Mm. So we're actually wired to try and get love from others because you know, basically we need them to love us enough and care for us enough to, to take care of us, to feed us, et cetera, because in terms of the animal, animal kingdom, we're one of the most vulnerable. Um, and so what happens is if we're supported growing up and we have positive mirroring of our innate potential, what happens is uh, that then we stay connected to that potential and um, you'll find that as adults, people are living much more from that place. But what happens a lot of the time is that we start to want to express that potential and, and especially if you're an innovator, if you have kind of any innate entrepreneurial spirit, if you're an innate change maker, systems changer, what happens is that as you start to express who you really are, you end up in this internal dilemma because actually you realize that means you don't fit into the tribe. Mm. And at that point, you don't understand that the reason you don't fit in, it's because you're actually meant to evolve the tribe and you don't have the tools Mm. So what most people do at that point is they start disconnecting from those aspects of potential that they feel will have them be out of sync with the tribe and not accept it. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's just outright rejection. 
But a lot of the time is you look around and you're like, oh my God, we're just on different planets. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you just can't see the, the role models. Um, so you, 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 but the problem is that you also internalize a whole thing around, there must be something wrong with me. And, um, and so we then end up kind of judging, uh, so disconnecting and judging our innate potential. And then, um, you know, I, I work a lot with high potentials who are, you know, <laughs> high potentials have a lot of potential. So they're usually successful in terms of the existing system. But buried under that is so much shame, so much like uh, not good enough, actually. And so the, the, re- the piece that we have to really master in order to uh, live our true potential is that we have to start to choose to bring that what we made for uh, out into the world but as soon as we do that we have a survival mechanism that tries to stop us you know I've had people you start the process and they get sick (laughs) you know it's kind of like okay you know you're out of action or you know a lot of people start having real kind of panic that comes up um, you know, not, and I'm not talking about just a little bit of let's set a few objectives. It's like, okay, right, let's really go for it. And so the core of the, the work to live your potential is that you have to soothe your survival mechanism. You know, it's not about kind of entering into this kind of um, battle with yourself. You have to really soothe that and actually bring a lot of compassion and love to that. And at the same time, keep stepping into these places that are scary because you have this whole movie in your head that's not even the truth that if you start expressing that potential out in the world something bad is going to happen to you because you're going to be rejected or attacked in some shape or form Mm -hmm. that's that's beautiful and i think two yeah that's that's so beautifully put and there's two things that i want to highlight and um is i think what you mentioned about um what you did as a child i remember a a couple years ago you you mentioned that to me and i started reflecting on that and i realized that who I was as a child up to the age of three was like things that I really enjoyed and I was good at. I realized that now in my work, those are things I'm also good at. So, mm-hmm. but actually it was about 30 years where I was kind of rejecting that little part mm-hmm. of me. So I think that's a really good one about if we're not quite sure what is it that gives us flow or makes us feel purpose, think back to what you did as a child and what you enjoyed doing. And, and I think for me it was, um, I was very creative and I was like drawing on the walls and I got told off a lot. And I did a lot of, uh, my, I did a lot of bossing about. So, uh, so that was kind of my, I was definitely in flow there. <laughs> <laughs> so creative and leadership, yay. <laughs> but, it, but as you quite rightly said, you know, what happens is if we're not, if that's not nurtured and often, you know, our parents, people around us don't know. So they don't nurture it. They just want you to kind of be quiet and be good and, you know, just get on and don't make a fuss. Then you feel a little bit of shame for that difference. And then you kind of just kind of, you know, start to conceal it or hide from that. And then it takes a lot of time to kind of bring bring it out. And I think so many of us are like that have had that experience where, you know, our gifts or our uniqueness as a child wasn't necessarily um, viewed as being a great thing. It was more like, okay, you know, maybe keep it to the corner and focus on doing the right thing and getting the grades and, and being a good girl or being a good boy. And then we, we do then, we feel shame. And I completely resonate with that, that we end up feeling shame for the differences or these unique gifts that we have. And And I think what I see now is, um, maybe my friends who've got children, they, they nurture the gifts in the children better because they're more conscious, but maybe my generation wasn't like that. But I think it's now up to us to really like see that and create that kind of system where we nurture and, and, and bring out our, our gifts and, 
and yeah, kind of be a bit more reflective of 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 that. So I, I think that's just uh, beautifully put. And and I think the other thing is, I think this is such an important thing that we are different. And I think you know we're not all meant to be the same. And sometimes you know we are the purpose. Our purpose is to bring change and transformation. And but it's a scary thing because it's a lot easier to I would say be normal than bring transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, but. And, and, you know, the question I have, and maybe this is a deep question, is why, what do you think in your experiences, and this is kind of a kind of more of a philosophical question, but wh- why do you think in, in, in your experience that we go through, you know, change makers or people who are go- have to bring change forward, why do you think they go through the struggles and it's not an easy process for them, often? Is there a reason for the, for the, for the dilemma, for example, with your situation with... Um, um, having your um, being in hospital and being told you'll never be able to walk again. I mean, that was obviously a traumatic experience, but obviously it gave you something. And I think, why do you th- why do you think we need to go through these experiences? And it's not plain say- sailing that you pop into the planet and you become a transformational leader and everything goes smoothly. Why do you think there's there's all these kind of obstacles in our ways? Do you feel? I think there's different pieces to that. Um, where I've got to, if you want to kind of look at it from a spiritual mm. perspective, okay, if we're really going spiritual, I, I believe we actually, um, um, we do choose to come and we choose our families, which I know for some it's quite controversial, but, and what, but what I find is that um, a lot of the experiences that we go through um, that are not easy um, actually in hindsight, when you look back, you kind of realize it's a bit like um, a, a diamond that needs to kind of um, be mined in a certain way. Um, it, it makes you sensitive to certain things because one of the things that I find uh, always really um, kind of uh, difficult is that uh, for me, the stuff that's natural to me is natural to me. So it's very hard for me to understand why somebody else wouldn't um, kind of be operating from that place. And I'll give you a practical example. Um, you know, I, I've, I work a lot with people who are visionaries. And uh, so often they sit in meetings and um, kind of getting really fed up because um, maybe the conversations are really quite basic and there's no vision. Because, you know, often in our world, um, we, we, get, we get quite um, um, sort of tactical, but we forget to be uh, more strategic and more visionary. And... Um, and they're kind of literally sitting there kind of going, well, why isn't anybody bringing this vision? You know, almost like, <laughs> what's going on? Why are these people not stepping into that? And maybe going into, well, you know, I shouldn't bring it because, you know, there's something wrong with vision or something wrong with me for wanting vision. And what I say to them is the reason that nobody's bringing vision because that's not their gift. Mm. So they don't even know that they're missing it. Mm. And if you're the person in the room who knows that it's missing, it means it's up to you to bring it. And so I think that the first bit is I found that a lot of the hard experiences I've had have made me very kind of sensitive to the areas where um, actually I need to contribute, where actually a lot of my gifts are, because I, I then understand what it's like to be in a world where those gifts aren't expressed. So it's actually also part of the motivation. It makes me a lot more so compassionate when I'm working with people um, because I've worked through it and um, I know how hard it is. 
Uh, and I keep doing my work every day, you know, so it's not like me sitting on a mountain going, oh, you know, you just do a bit of that. It's kind of like, yeah, I know I've been in the trenches and uh, this is how you get out. But yeah, okay, hang on and hang on and hold on kind of thing. So I think there's um, that piece to that. But uh, another part is um, that I think often as change agents, we don't realize how much we have to strengthen our own self-leadership. And um, I've seen also a lot of change makers be very empathic. And so they're taking a lot of their cues from the environment because they want to be caring. But there's also um, a kind of warrior quality um, around self-leadership um, to really be able to be a, a loving stand um, for yourself and for others and for what you believe in. And within that context, um, one of the pieces that often we miss is what I call the, the scapegoating process and the scapegoat, scapegoating wound. And that's that if you're at all a change maker, an innovator, or somebody who's kind of meant to be bringing change, you will naturally, when you say something, it will naturally be out of sync with um, the people around you. And it will be kind of challenging at some level for them. So let me be a bit practical. When I did my career change, um, the two people who actually um, were the most attacking to me were my mother and my best friend. <laughs> and it was really hard. And then when I did my career change and I succeeded within six months, both my mom and my best friend did a career change. And what I understood was that at some level, they knew that if I succeeded, they wouldn't have any excuses mm. in order to change themselves. So there was a hidden unconscious piece around trying to stop me. Um, the other piece around that is that when you, um, so I'll, I'll use another example, which was um, with my late uh, grandfather. Um, whilst I was sick, um, you know, once the doctors gave up on me, I had to work out how I was going to get better um, over and above that. So I think I must have tried every single alternative therapy that exists on the planet. And in the end, you know, I found my own cocktail to be able to, um, uh, to, to do the shift. But what was really interesting is um, my grandfather and I had a, a good relationship, but we had a rough patch during that period because... Um, he found the fact that I was doing all these alternative therapies very challenging because he'd been a GP for 50 years. And um, so I remember every time he would be really attacking around it. And uh, one day I sat him down and I said to him, look, you know, what is going on here? It's not like I've said to the doctors, I'm not doing what they're saying. They just told me they haven't got any solutions. So, you know, I'm actually just trying to work this out. So you could actually be on my team rather than just attacking me. And I did it in not a shaming way, you know, saying, hey, look, hey, hang on a minute, what are you doing? And as a result of that, we had this amazing conversation where he explained to me that the path that I was taking had him really see that maybe there were other healing paths that he hadn't explored in his career. And it was creating a real pivotal moment for him around um, the value that he'd provided during his whole career. And so it was actually really quite hardcore in terms of the evolution process he was going through and um, why I mentioned that is we as what we have to really learn to make our life much easier is that when we say something um, it, it's going to trigger people and mm. we have to understand it's not about us mm. it's just going to bring up stuff for them uh, and so 
we have to hold space for that. And uh, too quickly are we afraid of what's going to happen after that piece when we say something because we're going to be afraid of attack. And we don't understand that that is part of the process of people going, oh, my God, oh, God, if I embrace this, oh, well, what does that mean in terms of how I've been living my life? Um, what does that mean in terms of what's actually possible and I've been ignoring and in denial around? And so it's very challenging for them. Um, but if we start to embrace that, we can be really catalysts in a way that's caring to us and caring to them. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's beautiful. And that's the kind of maturity about hold space after you've had that conversation. Because and especially like the people that, as you're mentioning, your, your mother and your best friend who probably you know that triggers their own um, insecurities and wounds. Mm-hmm. And I actually had this about 15 years ago. I used to um, add a design business and I was manufacturing in Iran. So I would go to Iran twice a year and, and, and kind of train young girls how to make things and addresses and knitwear. And yeah, so I was like on the move continuously. It's like this 24-year-old just doing so much. And my aunt, who I was very close to, and I just want to bring this up, is like mm-hmm. she was getting really triggered. And then, and then I couldn't understand it, but she, she didn't like me doing all these things. And it wasn't because she didn't love me, because she loved me deeply. It was because she'd never worked herself and she didn't really, um, and she didn't really like the idea of me going out and working and training other young girls. There was something mm-hmm. about it and I couldn't understand it. So we didn't talk for seven years. We got into an argument about this whole thing about mm-hmm. women shouldn't work. But actually, um, because she was like, women shouldn't work. And I was like, how can you say that? You know, like, um, but then I realized that it was in the last few years that it was triggering something in her that actually maybe was bringing up her own, um, you know, regrets of her own life. Mm-hmm. So, but I think it's that thing of the maturity says, if someone is attacking my way of being or what I am trying to do, it's not about me and they're not attacking me. There's actually something in them that's kind of coming out. And I think that allows you to, create change rather than just say I'm not doing this and I'm not having this conversation and I'm not talking to this person which is what I did which is you know so I think yeah that's that's really yeah that's a very powerful way of, yeah good powerful way of thinking definitely yeah yeah and, and it's simple, exactly yeah. that yeah. it is that real awareness of um, yeah. of yeah realizing that what's normal for us could be triggering an existential crisis in the person opposite us or some deep questioning about how they're doing things or how they're going to do things in the future. And that brings up a lot of emotion. And often we haven't been taught how to hold that space for ourselves. And so it's hard for people. And I think that's the place of deep responsibility for transformation agents. And I'm not saying you don't do it. I'm completely like, you go for it, but you do it with, um, real awareness and compassion and real consciousness mm, definitely that actually can, can trigger things for people around you or or bring out things in them or you know if they're resisting this change it's not that they're doing it because they they don't like you or you're wrong it's because it's entirely it's bringing up their own crises within definitely and i think that's and then see being able to push through that that's the strength you know just push through it and, yeah. and keep going <laughs> um yeah. but uh so I think, you know, and this is really, I think, useful because as we're going through this uh, this journey that, you know, we all have this great potential and we, we have this potential to create something very unique in the world and, and that's where the work should come. And I completely agree with you that, you know, when you create value, um, the work will come. Like when you real create value, then the right work will come and you don't have to worry about money. And I really, really believe this. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that the more we kind of push towards like living our purpose and doing the things that make us feel joy and happy and, and really create change because god knows the world needs change right now Mm -hmm. um 
it's a it's it's kind of a journey and we'll we'll face like slopes and and many things will happen that we necessarily don't really um we're not prepared for and I think one of them is is one of them is this so the people around you will actually not like you changing that and I think that's so true or you face resistance resistant even for work like through yogipreneurs when I say to people who not aren't in the space they don't they're just like well it's this is too too advanced like why would you need to bring spirituality and yoga to entrepreneurship people aren't going to get it so then then I, then I say well I'm just going to do it I'm just going to do it you can you can either come or you don't have to come it's fine it's fine um, <laughs> and I'm glad you are <laughs> yeah well I'm having fun so it's you know so I'm, like, I'm having fun you can come you don't have to come it's fine that's what I say to people but I uh, know no. but um but I think um as we're doing this and I think we're going on this journey and we're all have and I completely agree with you that not everyone needs to be the visionary and, and I 100% we all have different skills and sets and it doesn't mean that the visionary is the only you know the only one that counts in this is like we all have our different skills and we bring it in and, and you know there's so many things that I don't see that other people see as being you know and there's so many things that I'm seeing that other people are not seeing so it's all about teamwork and collaboration and and pushing the feet you know the, the vision forward together so I completely agree with this and I think what I want to just um, maybe bring up is something about um like the, the the work that you're doing in Switzerland and I think it's so inspiring and whenever I go to Switzerland I feel so inspired and I always say this to everyone I'm, I'm in a train and I have a great conversation and I'm feeling like wow this is incredible and then you're like passing the Alps and it's like it's beautiful mm-hmm. and do you do you think that you know and we've talked about this but um and I do sense there's something with with Switzerland and Dubai there's something there's something maybe with the leadership that's a little bit like similar I always feel that like Dubai is a Switzerland of uh, the, the Middle East in terms of a neutral space um do you feel that there's there is this kind of energy for transformation and, and change makers and and in switzerland that's kind of unique um i think so yeah <laughs> that's probably why i'm it? here yeah. <laughs> um and, and maybe you know historically it's always um you know geneva's always had um the humanitarian organizations and uh um, has had a focus on on change making and and positive impact. So it's always it's always been been there. My impression um, is it's almost going to a, a, a step further because in the past, you know, we had this separation between uh, what I would call kind of corporate and um, or for for profit, and then you had the NGO world uh, having a positive impact. And my personal belief is that the paradigm that's coming through now is they won't be that separation anymore and um, we're going to have the integration of, of business and our work um, serving society and we make good money from it, you know, because for me, I, I still don't understand who decided we had to separate those things. Um, so I think that's the paradigm that we're heading towards. So it's interesting because also in Switzerland, there was a lot of uh, the headquarters of large corporations. So um, there has been, in a way, that kind of split system present in the country. But what I'm seeing is really a strong movement around what I would call all the new economy. And, um, and it's really, really exciting. Um, and my impression is um, uh, that I, I'm seeing a lot of leaders here consciously um, saying that they are embracing this because um, they want to create a place where uh, there's a, there are models, you know, where people have... Uh, are, are role modeling what is possible. Uh, and, um, you know, I've seen the Swiss government partner in so many initiatives, um, and it's so inspiring uh, you know, in, in circular uh, economy, 
um, in um, kind of social entrepreneurs and, and helping them scale up around the SDGs, uh, around sustainable financing. So um, it, it, what I, my experience here is as someone who's working in that field and wanting to bring that new paradigm through, I feel um, that much more supported within this ecosystem um, with, um, by, uh, by the government, um, but also um, uh, through uh, the movements that are here around social entrepreneurship uh, and, um, and, you know, this evolution around sustainable financing, et cetera, that's really kind of uh, coming and, uh, and growing. And I, th- I think I think that's really inspiring, and, and I think the work you do is, is incredible. And I, and I do get that real feel that um, Switzerland is, is leading the way um, in terms of this kind of new future economy. And I think where I see that Dubai can be, and of course, you know, I spent half my time mm-hmm. in Dubai. So exactly. where I see where I see Dubai being really great is that you know one of the resistance to to for people to think in a more sustainable way or or think long term in in Dubai is because we're all kind of like in transit. Some all of us who are experts, which is like ninety percent, we're all in transit and we come and go. And um, so this this idea, well, why should I? Um, and I get this feeling, why should I invest in the space? Because I'm only going to be here for ten years and then I'm going to go. But mm-hmm. I think it's not about that. And if we're having this conversation, I think what Dubai can do in a way is is be. Um, be this hub for this for this new way of working and new businesses that can kind of like then trickle in that region so it doesn't yeah yeah yeah, yeah completely and and just to add to that actually i was talking to a ceo recently and uh, uh from you know from here and um he was really consciously saying um you know um he says my area might be small in terms of kind of size you know of, of geog- geography size he says, but I can crack this problem and then I can be a role model for the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's, yeah, that's exactly it. You know, we, we, we look after our piece of the land, like our little garden, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that, that kind of inspires, um, that hopefully should inspire. And actually before this, con- before this conversation, I was like, this is about alignment. I'm going to be in alignment. I'm not going to do too much planning. I'm going to just kind of go with the flow. <laughs> so, so I went to my bookcase and I was, okay, I'm going to be inspired by something that's in my bookcase for this, for this interview. And I um, picked up uh, Wayne Dyer's Living an Inspired Life, The Ultimate Calling. And I did close my eyes, so I didn't, I didn't see the, the title. Um, and then I was like, let me open it to a page and, and see where it comes. And then that can be something to add to the, to the interview with Louise. And um, I actually opened it to... Um, I'm going to try and find it now, but it was actually very relevant to what um, I was just saying, Louise. It was, and then I have to find it now, but it was about absorbing the inspiration of others. And um, it basically, it's all about how do we, how can we, um, how do we absorb the energy that's around us? And one of the things that it says, which I think is so beautiful is, um, and this is by Wayne Dyer, one of the things that he says, one of the things that we absolutely know about energy is that when higher, faster energy comes into contact with lower vibrations, they're converted into higher energy. Thus, mm-hmm. light introduced into a dark room not only eliminates darkness, but it converts that darkness into light. And I think it's about the energy. So if you're kind of, the way I'm interpreting for our conversation is even if you have a strong energy of someone who's really about this change and, and living in vibration with, with higher possibilities by just coming into the room, they can kind of transform that, that room. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Exactly. And I, and I absolutely yeah. love, 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 love it. And I was just read a little bit more and then I'd love to get your thoughts Perfect. on this. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then um, Wayne Dyer goes on to say, when I am in the presence of an inspiring person, the first thing I notice is this warm shower overtaking me. It's like a wave of energy that slowly moves down my shoulders and spine. And I know something's happening energetically. 
even though I can't see, touch or smell or hear it, I know that I'm experiencing a shift and that makes me feel incredibly good or as I think about it, incredibly like God. And uh, just as, uh, and I just love that because it's all about the kind of the, the kind of the, the, the energy that we emit when we go into a room and just kind of being sensitive to that and that we can change even if it's a small, you know, small land, it's uh, we've got the power to change. And then he, he, he finishes off by saying, um, Ramakrishna, a great saint who lived in India and inspired millions of others with his God-realized perspective, once offered this observation. Saints like big steamships, which not only cross the ocean themselves, but carry many passengers to the other shore. May you too be one like one of these big steamships. But if you are not, then by all means, allow yourself to be one of those lucky passengers. And I absolutely love that. <laughs> and, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on this idea that, you know, um, we can be steamships to carry passengers or we can be a passenger. It doesn't matter. But I think it's about taking us to where we need to go. Um, and I just want to share, like, if someone is, is working in this space of, of transformation, of entrepreneurship, like, how, how can we make that journey more pleasant? <laughs> how, how, can we make, how can we make the waves not crash so much? <laughs> um, so, well, actually, I... Um... Uh, I'll share uh, one piece, which is mm -hmm. that um, the bookend to my pivotal moment. Um, you know, most of us, we, we set off on a journey, but we don't uh, get to check out whether we kind of passed the exam or passed the initiation. Um, but 14 years after um, that initial pivotal moment, I actually had a near-death experience. And um, it had me really um, get a, a different level of understanding. And uh, I know it sounds macabre, but I, hang on, hang with me because it, it will answer that question about making it more enjoyable. And um, up until then, I really still thought that purpose was about um, kind of, well, I still thought there was an element of doing a lot of cool stuff yeah. like um, traveling and taking sabbaticals and, uh, and having a positive impact, kind of doing all of that. But I, I was still very focused on the external piece. And um, what happened, um, I won't go into all the details, but basically I, I was admitted into hospital and I was told I had to say goodbye to my partner. Wow. And uh, in that moment, um, uh, it was fascinating because it was like, oh, okay, well, we're back here. This is interesting. Um, and the question came again, which is, what would I regret? And um, that time what came is there would be nothing that I would regret. But it, what was interesting is, it wasn't because I'd been living a perfect life or I'd been a perfect person. Um, but what came was that there was almost this, this part of my brain that had a, um, a kind of checklist about what it meant to live this on-purpose life. And, and it kind of popped up at that point. And um, there were three questions that came. And so I think those are, and those are uh, I think, three questions that are important and um, relate to what you were asking me. And the first one was... Um, have you experienced enough joy? So the first measure of alignment and the art of alignment is have you experienced enough joy? And um, what makes the difference there was uh, ha have you done enough, had I done enough of what my heart really wanted to do? And then the second piece, the sort of second kind of question that came um, was, was I at peace? And um, the measure of that was whether I had 
um, expressed enough of my true self into the world and brought enough of that into my everyday. And um, the last, the third question was, um, had I loved enough? And uh, the measure of that was, had I valued myself and others uh, enough and really treated uh, each other mutually as really intrinsically valuable? And so for me, what I really understood was that in the past, we've thought about things like positive impact and change making in a very sacrificial way, mm. actually. And, you know, a lot of the ways I've ended up working with change makers is because they're, they're burning out. <laughs> they burn out. And um, I think it's, it's a really important fundamental reframe that um, it's actually about bringing your inspiration through, being in joy, being in deep peace with yourself and, uh, and expressing love, which are, you know, it's, it's, that's beyond a bit of fun. That's ultimately what makes you feel deeply alive and um, really brings real nourishment uh, in life to our, ourselves and to others. And so I think it's to really remember that that's what is meant to be guiding us, um, not some self-sacrificial kind of pain thing. And the irony is sometimes it's very scary to allow ourselves to experience a lot of joy or to really choose peace or to be really loving to ourselves and genuinely caring to another person. Um, but um, ultimately it's about remembering that uh, we don't want you in sacrifice. We want you at your utmost um, inspiration um, because that's when you're actually doing what you're here to do. Mm. And um, so that's that's first level of it. And the second level of it is, um, and it relates to that other piece about how energy impacts other people, is that inspiration, you know, ultimately we know, we all know at a deep level as human beings that when we're connected to inspiration, we're actually connected to what our purpose is. And deep in ourselves, deep in ourselves, we have that yearning and we may not consciously remember it, but there's a part of us that knows. And so when we see somebody else in that place of inspiration, it awakens something in us because we see someone living it. So it's like, give yourself permission to follow that inspiration, follow that flow, because by doing that, not only are you contributing what you're here to contribute, but you're helping others see it's possible and become braver. And then we can really start, you know, stepping onto those shifts uh, and onto those ships to be able to lead us um, and to take us to this new place where we all live from inspiration as opposed to, you know, competition, fear, all those other things that we've kind of um, embedded in our lives. That's, that's so beautiful. I upstairs, I, I completely get resonate with that. And that's uh, so beautifully said. Thank you so much, Louise. And, and I, I completely agree with this, that like, I was going to answer this, that um, I always think like, let me just be inspirational if I can. I mean, that's what that's one of the things that I learned <laughs> in the last few years is, you know, because often other people maybe around us don't have the role model. So if, um, for example, I'm I come from a culture where I think I'm, me and my sister are the only females who actually have lives. <laughs> you know, like the, you know, the majority of our, um, the females in my family, they they got married young and they literally, you know, were not allowed to do anything apart from um, raise their children. And so 
Um, and I think, you know, if I can just be inspiring to them because they're the same age as me, then maybe, you know, it may give them a, a new perspective. And even if they don't 100% kind of do anything, at least they know something else is possible. Or if not them, then maybe their children, their daughters. So I think this idea that, you know, let us be inspiring and let us live our lives and have lots of joy because life should not be difficult and hard and painful. And this idea that we have to suffer for the good of, of the world is, I think, madness. And it's like not even true because I think generally we need to, as you said, feel the joy, feel the bliss. And get into inspiration. And that's how we can not only inspire others, but just, just be who we are. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I feel like we can talk for hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, it's been such an, you know, a lovely podcast and got me all inspired and goosebumped. So thank you so much, Louise. And um, just maybe finally, um, if people would like to learn more about you um, or the work you do, where should they go? Um, they can just go to my website, uh, which is louiselegat.com. Uh, um, and uh, I'm sure they'll be able to see my, so it's my name, uh, .com. And, uh, and on there, there's lots of blog posts and um, kind of you know, free masterclasses and things that you can also listen to and watch um, to keep up with the inspiration and keep it going. Thank you so much, Louise. And thank you for sharing this time with us. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Real Bye. pleasure. Bye. Bye. <laughs>